So they literally went from Rich Campbell in 1981, and they didn't draft another quarterback in the first round till Aaron in 2005. Oh, my gosh. That's why you got to pick a quarterback once in a while, because you don't want to go 25 years and just hit and hope. Shut up and sit down. What's up, Wisconsin, from the Inside Wisconsin Studios? My name is Trevor Thomas, joined each and every episode, every other week, with my guy, John Anderson. John, put the fire out. Everything's on fire. <laughs> it, it is, doesn't it? It, seem, it seems very odd. Everything's great, and we were looking for the draft, and then Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron, I don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers or if it's on my end. I don't know if Adam Schefter lit the wick on this thing. And now it's all out of control. So I don't know if it's on your end or my end, but all I know is that you're right. We, we have some angst. Uh, like, I want to get to Char- Charlie Barron soon enough, but I think people are going to want to sort of sort through their emotional feelings of what's happening right now at the quarterback position. It's emotional. That's Because you're struggling, dog. I Well, I'm sorry I'm blowing up your phone. It's just every day something else comes out. I mean, it's literally – okay, so nobody can blame Shefty, right? He's your colleague. Uh, apparently this thing was getting doused in gasoline and all he did was sneeze and whammo like that started the fire. And now I don't know, man, like maybe it's too personal for us. That's what this whole show is based on is the so who's right. And who's, wrong? who's right. And who's wrong? Well, I think that's the million dollar question. Do you, what's your opinion? Here's who's right. Read Pete, Pete Doherty in the green Bay press gazette. Pete, great, a uh, great journalist, r- has written for the Press Gazette for a long time. Fine Missouri graduate uh, of, of the journalism school. But Pete and I are in school about the same time. Uh, I think he has it right. I, in my uh, my gut feeling here, is that there's a little drama queen side on Aaron Rodgers. I understand. Um, I understand his point of view. That yep, okay, I'm mad that we've drafted that guy. Uh, I don't necessarily espouse to the. F- the opinion that um, the higher ups have to include me all the time. I don't know at what point you rank high enough in the organization that now personnel decisions have to be run through you. Um, I guess you could have a courtesy um, said, Hey, we're, we're going to look at finding a guy because our backup quarterback situation, when you break your collarbone, as you notice, we don't win any games. Yeah. Bad and if day. That guy turns out to be the right guy. Awesome. But I don't necessarily think that means you have to be put out the, out the door. The thing I, I I wonder is, even if somebody had told Aaron that we're going to draft that guy, if that makes the makes it any better, it's still the guy. You still drafted him. He's still there. I don't know that just by saying that, that eases everything, and now it's better. I think there's more. I think that's a con- convenient in point and a leverage point. Uh, I think the Packers have every right to look out for the long-term health of the franchise, and that's yeah. where it it comes to, and as you said, so you grew up, how old were you when Brett Favre took over? Uh, 90 what? 90 what? What year? 96? 92? That's what I thought. Okay, so 97 was the Super Bowl, 96, 97. So I was nine. Nine. So your entire life has been nothing but success. Uh, Yeah. So if you are my age, and and the Packers won the Ice Bowl and Super Bowl two when you were two, and then went... (laughs) 
right? And you've yeah. you've lived through this. This was the original reason people were scared of Favre because they had lived through this. Bart is gone, and now here is Scott Hunter. Here is Jerry Tagge. Here is Jim Gal Jim Del Gazo. Here is Blair Keel. Here is Carlos Brown. Here is David Whitehurst. Here is Jim Zornford. We've got, we went through all this, so now all of a sudden you have this stability at the quarterback position, and he's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had magic in there for a season. You had Lynn Dickey for a couple, but all those people my age were terrified. Oh my God, are we going back into this abyss of 15 years and 20 quarterbacks? Right. So, so that was the original. Now here comes Aaron. He goes, but having said that living through those things, you've got to go take care of your franchise. And so Aaron Rodgers, as good as he is, and he can play to 42, I got to have a guy after that because I don't want to go back to this thing where we have 20 years of, and if I have a chance, everybody talks about, oh, it's a premium position and franchise quarterbacks are few and far between and you've got one. Okay, but you know what? I might need another one. Jordan Love might not be that. Don't know. Right. But we're drafting him hoping he is. Um, so, you, so yeah, if, if they're that hard to find and I've got a chance that one falls to me like it did back with Aaron – then I got to take the guy exactly. and I got to figure out how to massage things around there. Maybe they could be doing that better and to some degree, but I think it's foolish that we just go, okay, that's it. I can't play there anymore. I got to go. I think that's foolish. That sucks for everybody. And it, it, as fans and owners, we talked about this a little bit. It's hard not to take it maybe too far in terms of being personal, right? I'm not saying that we as fans or, or people that own stock, which means nothing, by the way. Let's just get that out of the way. You have no say. It's just a, a thing. But we take it personal, maybe because that's just who we are as a state. Listen, this it just feels yucky. It, Favre retired 10 times. Like, I remember Brett Favre mm -hmm. saying he was going to retire in 2000. Or what? I mean, it was over and over. And it was just like a, it was never ending. And then all of a sudden it ended and they chose Rogers and traded far to the jets and all this happened. And that's just when Brian Braun, by the way, my buddy Brian hit, but long story short, this doesn't feel that way, John. Like it almost seems like something happened. They cut Jordy. They cut Kumaro. Um, Brian came in, Ted Thompson drafted Rogers. Brian is a protege of, of Ted Thompson. And in one season with Jordan love behind him, who, who never suited up for a single game. Not a single game. Doesn't seem like you'd be a threat. What, what am I missing? This is so odd, and that's what makes it feel yucky. And Listen, so, right. Oh my gosh, he cut Jake. Jake either was hurt or caught 12 passes. We can, there's, there's a hundred guys you can get like Jake. I get you got yeah. him, but you can improve Jake. So I'm going to try and improve on Jake. Jordy Nelson had come to, just as he had in many other cases, you come to a cost relationship analysis. And where he is and what he's going to cost anymore isn't, isn't there. And when he left, the Raiders didn't pay him what the Packers were going to pay him, right? People get too – this is 30 years in the television, in sports journalism. People get too attached to their people. I get it. You talk about them turning the back. The thing is, with you as a fandom, you're never going anywhere, right? You can't, you can't fathom an instance where you're not a Packer fan. No. Right? So there's no end date, right? And at 42 or 52 or 85 or 90 – you don't have an end date. Athletes have an end date. They do get, they get their feelers hurt, right? They've got to be yeah. respected. They want to do it. Whether that respect is, I need to be informed. For some of them, it is the, the, the cost of their paycheck. Um, it is whether it's playing time. There's all different ways that we need to make sure if you're an athlete that I feel respected and taken care of. Um, but in the end, 
every one of them is going to go. Everyone's going to leave. Everyone's going to retire. Nobody plays forever. Tom Brady, believe it or not, is going to end. By the way, Tom Brady, I don't know if you know that, he doesn't play for the Patriots anymore. Yeah, got it. He won six Super Bowls, doesn't play for the Patriots anymore. Peyton Manning, remember him? Didn't end with the Colts. Name me a Packer fan. Name me a great Packer that ended his career. Favre left. Reggie White left. Vince Lombardi left. Curly Lambeau left. Forrest Gregg left. Paul Horning and Jim Taylor ended up with the Saints. Like, it happens. My point is it just happens, and so we have to learn to be – we got adults, and, and here's how it is. And there's a chance there, and Rodgers doesn't play anymore. And guess what? On Sunday, if you go to Lambeau Field at noon, they'll have a quarterback. They're going to run somebody out there. Like, there, there's never been a, a guy – there never once have they gone out there purposely and played with 10 guys. What's your prediction? And by the way, the fame—I'll you know, tell you the most famous ten-man play ever in, in in football that you might remember. Um, my prediction—I think I'm going to go in the minor. I think he is stubborn enough that he's going to wait and wait and wait. But I think eventually he realizes that this is the place that he can win, and he can get paid. And I think they extend him, and that's fine. You should. Listen, there's no if if you have Jordan Love as your backup, and you end up with five great years out of of, of Aaron Rodgers and he's motivated to play like he did last year and you got to sell oh Jordan Love off for a fifth or sixth pick it's still been successful and then you can draft the next guy I, I, My- I listen I don't have to have him so I think you can probably do that but somebody is gonna ha- it all it all goes down to who has to swallow it yeah. who's the one that has to swallow it I don't think Aaron's gonna swallow it so he's gonna have to have the Packers are gonna have to make some move there but also, if I'm them, I only go so far. And then I go, listen, in the end, the Green Bay Packers are going to still be playing in 2030. And I need to make yeah. sure we're set for 2030. Yeah, I just don't see the Green Bay Packers saying, we screwed up here. Sorry, Aaron. I just And, and Brian was self-reflective that he could have communicated in a different way with Aaron in regards to the Jordan Love pick. I would love a joint press conference where they got on the same page and said, listen, both sides could have done this better, but we're going to teach all of you young fans something right now. You can work through this. Let's go win a Super Bowl. That would be the ideal situation. Uh, John, so I hear that, not- by the way, as the least possible situation. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> Everybody's going to be a grown-up and play nice, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. That would be great, but that would be, that would be the ultimate shocker in this thing. It would, and I really... And the Packers have already groveled. You say you want that. They've already groveled. What does that mean? What do you mean they've groveled? They, they, they've all gone out and made pilgrimages to go see them. They've, yeah. they've talked about changing the money. There probably is a contract offer. That they're gonna, like They've already kind of gone hat in hand with him and said they're sorry. Packers, Packers have the money and they have his contract. What's his leverage? I don't know. That's the question everybody's asking themselves. What is the purpose behind all this? I don't. How does this? I don't know. How does it get here? Uh, let's move on for a second because Charlie Barons is in the waiting. John, you're not on social media by choice, even though I think that we're going to change that eventually. Uh, so when you heard Charlie Barons was coming on Inside Wisconsin, you're like, what? <laughs> well, no, I'd seen a little of his work. I saw a little of his work before the playoff game. And just because I do not have a social media account does not mean I'm a, unaware of it or that I cannot find it. I follow when I, well, I don't follow, follow, but I look and I read Bucci Main. You know, yeah. I look and see what Aaron uh, Adam Schefter 
is up to. Uh, I read religiously Super 70 Sports, which you should to get educated, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, where he shows old playground equipment where like kids my age used to get thrown off teeter-totters and scalded down slides and nobody said a word. We just kept <laughs> playing and our parents were like, whatever, the junior's fine out there. Uh, and all of it would be now barred by uh, OSHA and, and people would get thrown in jail. So I am aware, just because I'm not on it doesn't mean I'm not aware. I wasn't on Fair. the Titanic. I was aware it sank. And uh, we also learned from Dick Lining Kugel that that was a bunch of crap with Lake Wissota. I'm excited to <laughs> – nobody else knew that. Uh, listen, we're really excited to have Charlie Barons, the host of the Manitowoc Minute, join us here on Inside Wisconsin. Shut up and sit down. Charlie Barons joining us on Inside Wisconsin. Charlie, thanks for being here, man. We can't wait to talk to you. Thanks for having me. It is an honor to be here. I'm just trying to center myself in this frame, but as I look at it, I keep go, I keep shifting. So I have a hard time with mirrors. I apologize for that. <laughs> no I was trying to stay put. Sorry, right. it, it, listen. It, if because if you're too far right or too far left, there's all kinds of connotations with that. So you <laughs> I know. Keep, you know. Dead center. Right here if we can. Yeah. yeah. As moderate as possible. Okay. Um, where Where's the guy that sounds like the Manitowoc minute fella? Oh, geez, Louise, this guy, I, he lives in my head at all times, okay? Uh, so he's here whenever you want him. And honest okay. to Pete, yeah, he's the preferred uh, fella here if we're, if we're going preferred <laughs> fellas, okay? So here at all times, ready to, you know, stand on guard and defend the great state of Wisconsin from uh, any, uh, any naysayers. So, yeah. What's kind of fascinating about that accent or that character is you grew up here, Charlie. You're from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And then you went off and did the whole actor comedian thing, which you're still doing today. But somebody told you along the way that you had to get rid of your Wisconsin accent. And I find it hilarious yeah. that ultimately what launched your career to the point it is today is a Wisconsin character. So what's up with that? Yeah, so I was doing local news and different kinds of news for a number of years. And I went around the U.S., you know, I did uh, Dallas, South Carolina, D.C., um, Los Angeles, and news in each location and some some form of news. And really the thing that was consistent was at some point or another in each of these jobs, you know, I, I was reminded of my Wisconsin accent. Because uh, in broadcasting, you're trying to sound as neutral as possible. But certainly if you're down south, if you're going to have an accent, the Midwest Midwest one doesn't really work. You know, if you tell like a bunch of people in uh, in Texas on a hot day to go find a bubbler, well, they think you're talking about a device you use to smoke the devil's lettuce, okay? They don't think you're talking about watering situations. So, And then I had an instructor at one point to be a little bit more, you know, uh, abrasive about how I needed to get uh, a voice coach if I wanted to have a future in the, the business. So anyway, I did. And you can change the voice coming out of your mouth. But like I said, you can't change the one coming out of your head. And so I developed a stand up character that took everything that people said was wrong about him. And uh, I doubled down on that. And um, that character did well in the clubs. So I made it into a video. And that was a few years ago. And it, it, I was very fortunate to find that. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I had the same thing, except now, because I spent many years at journalism school in Missouri and then worked at Oklahoma, I come oh. back now and people go, you sound like you're from the South. I'm like, no, I just sound like I'm from nowhere. Right. When, when, right. You, when you come through there, yeah. But the, the, I find that you can lose sort of the, the accent. You can get that more um, sort of in the middle where people have, that's sort of um, nomadic and from nowhere. But you can't hide the vocabulary. 
Mm -mm. Uh, no. and that, right. Whether it's a bubbler or different things, you know, or just the fact that, you know, what a deer whistle is or a yeah. eater, right? <laughs> yeah. like those are the things that are still telltales. Yeah. Or you can find you can find another one like yours, right? Like when you can, like here are all the penguins on the ice cap, but I can find mine because I know who those people are by what they're talking. Because you bump into each other and you're like, oh, and then you're like, hmm, I know where you're from. You just gave me an <laughs> OPE, okay? Right. You completely yeah. give yourself away. Yeah. Right. But now, so you develop the character, and he's very funny. But he comes back, and do you ever? come home or you're home and you're like, okay, people aren't getting this because they really think that I sound like the guy who is next door and willing to mow my lawn when I'm out on vacation. Right. <laughs> well, look, there are a lot of people who are like, uh, I don't think, I don't get what you're doing. It, 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 nobody <laughs> sounds like that here, but the way they say that is like, you, you know, I, I don't get what you're doing. You know, nobody <laughs> sounds like that here. No, sir. Jeez Louise. Honestly, <laughs> it's so exaggerated. So if you find yourself being someone who's like, all he does is exaggerate it. Well, you might just be exaggerating yourself and you don't even know. So yep, it's us. So <laughs> yeah, when you do that, when you look at this, what are some of the picadillos? What are some of the things that you look at that, that, that you we turn the lens on ourselves and go, okay, here's where we're funny and here's where we're unique and different. And, you know, when we start poking it at our own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was, I didn't notice a lot of this either until like I was in a business that like pointed it out. Like I, I would say like opinion, Oh, like with the hard <laughs> O and they were like, that, that's crazy. Why are you doing? I was like, how, well, how do you say, opinion right. they're like opinion i was like uh that's not how it's spelled <laughs> no so, uh, yeah but there's a lot of things like that that i think i've just accumulated over the year or saying like i went ass over tea kettle or a horse apiece or i screwed the pooch i've said all those things <laughs> <laughs> and people are like what'd you do to the dog i was like no no, no, no it's, it's not like no 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 it's just I, I messed up i screwed the pooch they're like you got to find a better phrase for that it's like my grandpa <laughs> used to say that so I think it's like all those things that over time you absorb what people think is particular. And then, you know, those were the things I focused on. And honestly, once I started, a lot of fans sent me stuff, too. Right. So then you get ideas that way. And that's what I like about the thing is it's very much so built by the fans as uh, the fans of Wisconsin and my stuff as much as it's built by me. So are, are you sorry or are you sorry? Uh, and, do you, and do you borrow stuff off people? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Will, will you borrow me uh, your uh, your tractor there? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And sorry, uh, I mean, some honestly, sorry's and it, so I've been sorry before, you know. And then it's <laughs> but but sorry is a much different. Sorry is like a, the the formal. You say sorry when you're in right. church. Sorry is just kind of like, you know, when you're at the bar and, you know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. Spilt, spilt your beer all over you. Oh, geez, Louise, that you just bought that, huh? Mm. Well, I unfortunately don't have my wallet. Sorry. You know? Yeah. So that's how that goes. Used guys is another one. Mm. As y'all, we have used guys. I... <laughs> The pluralizing the you is just the, the most brilliant form of English that I've ever uh, experienced. And uh, I, you can't go wrong with that. Anytime you're trying to, you know, and eyes too, you know. So I was out there last week and I, I says to the sum of, you know, yeah, use and says, pluralize says as well. There's so many good ones. 
Fantastic. That's Did anybody yeah. else have a worst room or was I the only one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, I feel like that, that I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel like that that was like your grandparents had to put an R and wash for some reason, you know, yeah, and that no still idea. sticks around. Also, like zinc, get, kind of getting out, you know, wash it in the zinc, you know, kind of, <laughs> so kind of all blends together. Those are some goofy ones. Funny thing is, like, it can even get hyper specific for like Sheboygan's got its own, like, oh, yeah, they hate kind of thing. <laughs> and then uh, you get up to the Twin Cities and they don't really know what a bubbler is. Like, even that close, they don't know what a bubbler is. So you got to mm-hmm. retool those jokes when you're touring up around the cities. And That's then- funny. Yeah. So. so, Charlie, back us up, man. Uh, Inside Wisconsin is all about the people, the stories, and the statriotism of America's Dairyland. You are from Wisconsin. You grew up here. You went mm-hmm. to UW Madison. Give us, I mean, you, you joked that you were mass produced. That's how oh, yeah. you were, right? Yeah, so, yeah, give yeah. us the story. Where'd you one grow of, up? One of 12, grew up in the, the suburbs of Milwaukee, one of 12. Big, uh, you know, and, and when you're when you're one of twelve, you know, people got questions. You know, they're like, uh, "Oh, geez, Louise, twelve kids, holy smokes!" Well, are you Catholic there? Okay, or, or are you Mormon? Or you know, are you homeschooled? What's going on there? And you're like, "Yeah, no, all three. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wasn't homeschooled. That that's just a joke. It wasn't homeschooled. But uh, no, so big family, and um, you know, it, it's just it, it big." Catholic family, born Catholic, raised guilty, that kind of situation. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> yep. And you, do you feel me? Are you uh Catholic as well? Do we have other I Catholics? A Catholic girl. I know all about that. I think okay. John's Protestant. Got I'm it. Not, but what I have found since I've moved to the East where I find, uh, I, I have many more coworkers and everybody that, that are Jewish. And they're always like, here's how you remember it. Catholics uh, do guilt and the Jews do shame. It's the same <laughs> thing. It's just a different denomination. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, well, you get the deal. So got the got the guilt thing going. And yeah, just grew up. We would go up north uh, every year, you know, up to the UP Wisconsin border. And then my grandparents are from Fond du Lac. So, you know, just got a little pieces of different places of Wisconsin and just tried. I didn't even try. just absorbed the stuff over the years. And then at some point uh, when I was uh, doing a job I didn't like, I kind of turned to my roots to uh, rescue me from that not knowing that it would, but it was a pleasant surprise, you know? Cool. Do you tell me, because a lot of times the other one, when you have, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of families that I knew that were with a, a ton of the Gillises that I grew up with, had a lot of kids and, mm-hmm. and Zakowski's, and it was always clarified with uh, 12 kids, but no twins. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah exactly. you, had to, you always had to make this. No, yeah, they yeah. 12 in a row, man. We just kept clipping them off. That's so fun. Yeah. It's like, they're giving you an out. Yeah, they're giving you an out. Were there any <laughs> twins, any Adoptions, yeah. all two parents, huh? Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and you see them doing the math in, in their yep. head of what that means. I'm like, yeah, I know. I thought about that too. So. Where Where are you in the birth order? Two. I'm second oldest. Two okay. of 12. One of six. If you simplify the fraction, <laughs> yep. I got it. Got it all going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my sister, uh, also Wisconsin, but she sent me a book one time on birth order. And I'm like, You've got three kids. Birth order of three, anybody can do that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it takes some nuance to figure out the birth order of 12 and how those kids work out and who does, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. and by the time, of, you know, like if, if you're two, like the 12th one's how much, the last one's how, what's the age difference? Like at that point, you probably had to, you know, you know, it, it, it practically raise the kid. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, that's why they're so messed up. Ghetto, you know? I'm out. Forget yeah, it. Take I, care of them. I, I did this for you. You did this for them. Pass yeah, it down. I, I was 17 when my youngest sister was born. So yeah, yeah it's kind of a whole uh, whole thing, I guess. But um, yeah, you change a lot of diapers. Although I've said that before in other interviews and my mom's like, you didn't change any diapers. And I was like, mm, I feel like there's some revisionist history going on here, mom. <laughs> sure. I really do remember changing diapers, but she probably, she definitely changed the lion's share. No, no questions asked there. So. The host of the Manitowoc Minute joining us today on Inside Wisconsin. More with Charlie Barons in just a bit. We are Inside Wisconsin. Shut up and sit down. Helpful critiques, ideas, great stories, people we should know, the great bar in your town, the fish fry you want to know, the fish boil, anything that you want to reach out to us with. We are happy. We are here. You can be the inputters. We're here to listen. Shut up and sit down. Back with more, Charlie Barons is with us. And Charlie, when you go out and, and you're and you're performing, um, as the radius goes, let's say we start in Milwaukee where you're, and you go out in the radius. At what point um, do you find that that people are completely um, um, baffled by who this person is, and, yeah. and and it's unrecognizable to them? Oh well. <laughs> So the funny thing is, is when I've toured, people who have gone out and seen me know me, so they were fans. So it's always been like kind of a home mm -hmm. audience, you know, which is it's nice in a lot of senses. But it also as a comedian. We're used to, you know, doing the clubs in L.A. where like uh, nobody's going to automatically like you when you walk up on the stage. So you got to earn it a little bit more. But I started doing that Wisconsin bit in Los Angeles, you know, mm -hmm. and right there, people related to it. And that's what inspired me to do the videos to begin with. But I think they relate for a couple of reasons. One, they're either from the Midwest or they know someone from the Midwest. And I think there were uh, some pop culture things that made it kind of stick. Like uh, Fargo obviously has like a very exaggerated accent as well. And then uh, Making a Murderer was out and people, mm -hmm. you know, Mantuag is actually close to where that took place. So people had these sort of cultural touch points to a degree. So everybody gets it to an extent. You can do like five to 10 minutes of, you know, pure Wisconsin material, I would say, on any stage in the country mm -hmm. and be good. But, you know, can you carry a whole show uh, revolving around that? I, I think you want to change it up the more you get out. But a lot of the things, uh, a lot of the bits do still hold hold mm -hmm. their own, I think. so. Charlie, you tell a story that when you were out in L.A., the first job that you got hired for, a guy from Wisconsin hired you. And it reminded me that John was out in L.A. doing the wipeout thing, and that whole crew was from Wisconsin. Did you guys mm -hmm. ever cross paths? What What's going on? We're, well, secretly, we're secretly dating. You've had no idea, <laughs> did you, did you Trevor? Well, I'm okay, so actually who, what you do. I'm actually the ninth of the uh, the twelve Barons kids. You had no idea. <laughs> I'm the ninth one. Charlie, who hired you out there from Wisconsin? That was uh, Mark Herzog. Mark Herzog. Um, yeah, he's he's from Elm Grove. His family's from Elm Grove, and um, uh, great guy. He's got a production company out there called uh, Herzog and Company, and they did uh, like all the decade stuff on CNN, like the sixties, seventies, eighties. And then when I was there, it was a lot of behind the scenes production company type work. So I got coffee, you know, but I also <laughs> would go 
I would go out on set and do uh, like bring the cameras or whatever. And oddly enough, this is a fun story. Like the only reason I got promoted from like uh, uh, office PA, like the coffee getter to set PA, which is where you get coffee on set basically, <laughs> uh, is because I had a minivan that I could move the equipment and they wouldn't have to pay for like a car rental or whatever, because I just had this minivan. The whole reason I had the minivan was because I accidentally shot it with my dad's shotgun and he made me buy it from him. So, you know, that's a very Wisconsin story for how I progressed in my career. Most people are like, yeah, I worked hard. You know, yeah. I got extra good at making that coffee. And I was like, yeah, it's always going to be hot and on time. They saw I was dependable. I was like, nah, I just shot my dad's minivan. They needed the extra space. So luckily <laughs> I shot out the back bucket seat and, you know, it, it wasn't uh, in the way. So how, yeah. why, why did you have the firearm in the van and how that get crossways? Yeah, that's a whole other story, isn't it? Well, uh, we went out pheasant hunting, me and my dad, and my brothers, and sure. uh, my brother, uh, you know, uh, did this thing, uh, which is frowned upon in hunting. He forgot to unload his gun. And <laughs> so we got home and then, oh my gosh, and now I'm seeing like my batteries running on this. So I'm going to tell the rest of the story as I walk to get to my charger. Sure. But we got home. And uh, my dad was like, pull out the birds, okay? And then he was like, uh, pull out the clothes, the hunting clothes, and then pull out the gun. And so I pulled out the gun and I pulled all of them. One went off and it went boom and it shot, it literally made the shotgun seat in the, this minivan a, a, a shotgun seat, you know, with the big right. Uh And so my dad was pissed. I mean, he's a big, like, uh, he's a big hunting safety guy. So you could, you would imagine he's, he's not happy about this and he comes out and I'm trying to blame it on, um, on my brother, Andy, you know, I'm oh, like, yes. this was Andy's gun. And it was the problem is uh, I was holding literally a smoking gun. So that didn't, uh, <laughs> that, that didn't play too well. And, um, so anyway, he, he said, you just bought a minivan and he sold it to me at the Kelly blue book uh level marked excellent because apparently there was no place to check has minor shotgun blast on the interior so yeah, you know you win some you lose some you know oh I, my god did, did andy get dinged for any of that like you feel like maybe he should have charged you should have paid a little in there on that cost should have no instead he's wow. paying uh residuals in me talking about it publicly every chance i can get nice. just so everybody knows the score yeah Jesus, that guy oh, i know and geez, Louise. It is amazing. No, go ahead. It's amazing what you can fall into with that kind of thing with the shot. Because I, I, I like to tell people I was captain of my college track team at the University of Missouri, but it had nothing to do with ability. We had so many guys on the, uh, the team that were uh, from Nigeria. And we would take these these vans from the university, which now they don't let the kids drive them, but they'd be like, Anderson, uh, Wisconsin, driver's license, valid, pretty good kid, GPA, 3-4. You're a captain. Get in the car and drive. So it's very, it's not quite the coffee thing, but it's very much in the same line of, you know, it sounds like maybe we're really good at this. <laughs> yeah. And as it turns out, we are just, uh, we just have a vehicle and, and that makes everybody's life easier. <laughs> Right, right. And we're really subpar at best. Uh, but, you know, that, that vehicle wins it out day in, day out. Charlie, you've been telling stories about how you view Wisconsin through the lens of yourself and other people. I'm curious, mm -hmm. though, you went to UW. We launched Inside Wisconsin just over a month ago with Barry Alvarez. Tell us 
the story of Charlie's time in Madison that mom and dad won't want you to tell. We want to hear it. Uh, well, I can't tell you that. You know, I'm not old enough yet to not get grounded, okay? I'm, I'm still working my way out of that. No, sure. Uh, I had, so we lived initially, my, my sophomore year, we lived right across from the Doubletree. Uh, you know, right on Johnson. Uh, we lived right across from the Doubletree in a triplex. Well, so we had a, a we had a, a an enjoyment, I guess you should, you would call it, for Carlo Rossi, and we were uh, also musical gentlemen uh, by nature. So what we did uh, was we would finish the bottles of Carlo Rossi and then take them to the basement. Well, first we would fill them with a little bit of water and then took them to the basement because we wanted to develop this big chimes thing, you know. <laughs> and uh, the problem is, is when you fill a bunch of Carlo Rossi bottles, and I mean a bunch, I mean like over a hundred. Uh, with different levels of water and you get the tune or whatever, but they're sitting down there for months and months and months. Well, sometimes that water spills and sometimes it's actually a very conducive environment for mosquitoes. So then when you have a mosquito outbreak in your home and you just can't figure out where they're coming from. And then uh, when you take everybody down for the, you know, weekly uh, chimes event in the basement, uh, and everybody comes up looking like, um, you know, they just got the chicken pox. Well, you know, they Jeez. did something wrong. Uh, so, yeah, that was interesting. We learned a lot about, yeah, breeding habitats that year. So that was yeah, fun. So you had a jug yeah. band, essentially. It was a jug band. I thought it was pretty creative, to be honest with you. Uh, now, the end picture of that with all those empty bottles, you know, right. realizing. And Carlo Rossi is not something you want to expose your liver to on a regular basis. So I can't re recommend this for your uh, viewership out there at all. But, you know. This is this is why uh, Trevor always gets his wine in a box. It avoids all <laughs> yeah. the problems. How is that? Yeah, avoid when you avoid the temptation. Now, were you a successful Wisconsin uh, student there at Madison, or did you do like everybody else? Had to take that freshman break after a while when we learned <laughs> sometimes uh, the Carlo Rossi and the school doesn't work, and I'm going to go home for a while, completely free of shame happens, and then we go back, which is also a very Wisconsin to Madison thing, yeah, to do. and right. then we finish up on the second time. Mm, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Did you go straight through? No, I, I went straight through. Yeah, you're, and, that's big time. Yeah, I uh, put, put the nose to the grindstone, um, or at least I got through it anyway. I think I did okay. I don't really remember my GPA. I don't remember it being fantastic, but I don't. It wasn't bad, but it really was not fantastic. But I gave a I gave a, a graduation speech one time, and I've said to people, you know, here's the amazing thing. Now that you're getting diploma on this day is I have never once, I'm 56, not, never once had any employer ask me to see it. Me either. Yeah, no. I, think I, could, I could have said I was from Harvard and had my master's from MIT, and nobody would have. So funny. Nobody's, nobody has once asked me to say, did you really go to Missouri or did you just say that? Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that we put so much of a, a value on that? And that's kind of the, the case with a lot of places. I think it's good and it's bad. It's bad that it costs so much to not necessarily need it. But it's right. good to show that you can really get experience. It kind of democratizes a lot of things. If you can just get experience and uh, what you want to do and really focus on that, I think that's good, you know? So, Charlie, and being in showbiz and you came from journalism – when you posted that first Manitowoc Minute video, if my notes serve me right, June 19th, 2017, did you have any clue? I, I understand the idea of breaks, right? You got your break, and maybe you've had numerous breaks before that, but it seems different today. 
what were your expectations and how blown away were you? And maybe are you today that it's just never ending with you and Wisconsin and all of this? Yeah, I mean, I, I look back on that because that was right after I had done uh, that set at the Comedy Store in L.A. that kind of inspired the video bit. And actually, there was a guy in that audience who was like, is anyone from the Midwest? And he was like, me, I'm, I'm from Mandwalk. And I named it after him, you know. And so, like, w when I was first putting out the first episode, first of all, I was like, uh, I don't know if this is going to be any good. You know, I don't know if people are going to be offended because I don't think people know I'm from Wisconsin. And know that this is just, uh, I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how people would feel, but I put it out and um, and it was like the best viewed thing I had done in a long, long time. The only other thing that was that well viewed was if Jack Dawson was originally from Wisconsin, uh, right. where I changed the voiceover. And so and then it was like, I knew that I could do this again next week. And luckily since it was news-based, I was pretty well accustomed to editing and shooting and writing and telling mm -hmm. jokes. And um, so I felt like all the skills that I had been building up and unsuccessfully doing for a number of years were finally <laughs> coming together into this weird way. And I was equipped to, you know, handle the fact that a lot of people wanted to see this again. Whereas if I didn't have those skills, it would have been so hard to turn another video in the next week. I want to know about the one, the one before the Packers game at Lambeau Field here recently during the playoffs. That was... Top drawer. How long is that? How long did that take you to put together? Are you talking about the one where I'm getting emotional, or the one where I'm with Wayne Larrabee? The emotional one. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so that one. You know, that was a minute. We we had a rough idea going in, but then me and uh, producer Max Larson, I work with, we were on our way up to Lambo, and we were like, "What if we did something else?" Because this this idea we had wasn't playing. And then I, I, I uh, was thinking of just like some sort of deep emotional, like par parallel it with like one of those sad breakup films. So that was the idea. And we did it. And then shooting it, honestly, it, it added together, I think, pretty quickly because mm -hmm. when a song kind of drives it or when it's emotional, um, I think it comes together a little quicker because you're like you're very in it and invested in it. Um, right. And it just makes it, uh, I don't know, you get you get a little bit of a buzz when you're like, oh, this is going to be really good. You're kind of more excited to put it together. So that one came together um, pretty quick, I believe. And, uh, yeah, so it was just a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. We'll wrap it up with Charlie Barons from the Manitowoc Minute and pretty much every other video online in Wisconsin <laughs> that has like 7 million views. That's what you do best. <laughs> oh, thank you. More with Charlie here on Inside Wisconsin in just a bit. Shut up and sit down. Helpful critiques, ideas, great stories, people we should know, the great bar in your town, the fish fry you want to know, the fish boil, anything that you want to reach out to us with, we are happy, we are here. You can be the inputters. We're here to listen. Shut up and sit down. You are watching Inside Wisconsin, John Anderson, Trevor Thomas. All right, so usually we come together with some sort of a top five. You have a list, I have a list, they're dueling yeah. lists. Uh, in honor of the Packers drafts, okay, in and I, because of. we've had some friction yeah. with Aaron Rodgers and the organization over the drafting of Jordan Love, but, I, but to sort of make a point, I'm not sure which point I'm making, but uh, the Packers have drafted, by my count, 10 quarterbacks in the first round. Okay. Can you name five of them? Ever? Yeah. 
And I can next time I'll send you a media guide, but just see what you can do. Okay. So um Aaron Rodgers. Perfect. First round draft. We pick. got one. Bang. 2005. You're in it. Uh, apparently the guy that caused all the friction, or at least the Jordan yep. Love. Jordan Love picked. He was 2020. Aaron was the 24th pick. Remember, he slid down. Uh, Jordan, we go at 26. Okay, so you got two. Bart Starr? Was in the 17th round, famously, from Alabama. 17th round? Yeah. Uh, oh, hey, I learned this. I learned this on this show. Uh, t- t- uh, t- that guy from It's right there. West. You got it. Taggy? Taggy? Jerry Taggy from Green Bay West. Yeah. 1972. You got three. Huh. Yeah. That's he it. did not He did not have a long and illustrious career here, which is too bad, but he was the number one pick. He was the 11th pick overall. I got to be honest. I don't think I can name five more Packer quarterbacks at this point, let alone ones that we drafted in the first round. Um, so there was one in between when I was in high school that might you might be able to get, and he too was a bomb. Yeah, I got to be honest. The the furthest back quarterback that I knew before you told me about mm-hmm. that Tagy guy was Star. And then guess where my life picks up? Don Mikowski. And I don't think he was a first round draft pick. Uh, Don Mikowski, as I recall, I think was a tenth round pick out of Virginia. Okay, so um, uh, this one I would know. 1981, they drafted Rich Campbell out of Cal. Hmm. He was the number one pick, sixth overall. Big. They thought they were finally going to sort of bridge the gap from when they were looking for Bart and not. So think about that. So they literally went from Rich Campbell in 1981, and they didn't draft another quarterback in the first round till Aaron in 2005. Oh, my gosh. That's why you got to pick a quarterback once in a while because you don't want to go 25 years and just hit and hope. There. Anyway, uh, Don Horn, you should know, right? He yeah. Was he was drafted. Um, go ahead. That's the first time I've heard his name in my entire life. Who's that? Uh, so he was, he was quarterback San Diego State. He was drafted 25th. That's in the first round. The Packers had it. He was drafted in 67. You know what that meant? That means they were winning championships and they still had Bart Starr. And, oh, by the way, they drafted a quarterback in the first round. Oh. These things happen. You should probably know Randy Duncan because he played at Iowa. He was a number one draft pick. Overall. Yeah. Overall. Oh. How many times have we done that? How many times have we had that pick? Boy, I don't know. Not I don't know if, if he might not be the only time. No, no. Uh, here's another one. They would 1957. I don't know if you want to count it. Paul Horning was the number one overall draft pick. He played quarterback at Notre Dame on a horrible two and yeah. eighteen team, in the Heisman, but was a tailback here. So I don't count him. Okay, but he so, was the first overall. First overall, yeah. yeah. Uh, Babe Pirelli, very famous guy at Kentucky that played there. I think it was Kentucky. Packers drafted him number one too. So there you have that. The other guy you might know is he's a Hall of Famer, Cecil Isabel, but he quarterbacked, and that was back when you had a halfback to play tailback and quarterback. But you should know Aaron Rodgers. You should know Jordan Love. You should know Rich Campbell. You should know Jerry Taggy, and you probably should know Randy Duncan, just for just for future reference. And your point in all this is that this has happened before, and it's hard and- to find a guy that's good. Any name any of those guys that you you that did anything? One of them. So Jordan, yeah. Love could, Jordan Love might not be good. Yeah. I hope he is, but it's a risk, and you, I think you got to take that. This week's top five for you is since the draft is seven rounds. Yeah, these are guys the best five players the Packers have drafted in their history, eighth round or f- deeper. Back when there was more rounds. All right, 
Right. So these guys. Okay. So uh, number five, Larry McCarron. Oh, the Rock. Rock, twelfth round draft pick, nineteen seventy three at Illinois. Right. So he was terrific. Uh, Four, eleventh round pick, Marv Fleming, tight end, replaced uh, replaced. uh, 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 Is it Kramer? Not Jerry. The other Ron Kramer Uh, played on two Super Bowls. Played six, seven years, then went off to uh, Miami and played. He's the first guy to play in five Super Bowls because then he played in some with Miami. Uh, Third, another lineman, played on championship teams, Ken Bowman. Do you ever know the name Ken Bowman? Nope. Ken Bowman was a center. He went to Wisconsin. He served as an attorney. I think he was an assistant DA or DA. He was was a prominent attorney in Green Bay for many, 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 many years. He was on, he played, I think he was the center on the first two Super Bowl teams mm. and played for about a decade. So he'd have played 66, 67 ish to 75, 76. Uh, number two, Hall of Famer Tony Canadeo. Okay. Right? Got it. He's from way back in the day, but he was a ninth round pick from Gonzaga, which made him unusual Gonzaga. That name I know. And, and so then the number one. one guy that would have been a super late round draft pick, you hit upon him. Art star. Art star. 17th round pick, Alabama. Hmm. Played both ways. Some people thought he might have actually, he was kind of slight of build, but he was actually uh, in college, might have been a little better safety than he was a quarterback. And how do you think Bart Starr, the coach, would have handled what's going on right now? You know, that would have been really um, amazing to figure out how that, that would have gone. To have a quarterback as your coach is, my guess is in any of those cases, you got to be all in with your player and throw management under the bus. Go ahead and say, hey, I'm on your side in this thing. I know you're mm-hmm. balancing, but to have the effective relationship and do that, like I think LaFleur has to be all in on Aaron's side on this. So I think Bart would have gone all in on Aaron. So let me just ask real quick then. You think Matt LaFleur has to literally break ties in this situation with the two guys that hired him? Nope. No, he's just got to manage that. I just think he has oh. to go, Aaron, in this one, I am on your Side, I want you back. You're my quarterback. How do I help bridge yeah. the gap? I bet Charlie Barron's knows how to handle these things. Ask him. Shut, Shut up, up and sit down. down. We are back inside Wisconsin. John Anderson, Trevor Thomas, and Charlie Barron's. So, Charlie, we keep talking about how you see Wisconsin and how you portray it and how you how you put it out there. Uh, as you go about and do this. How do other people see us? Because every time I watch somebody at Lambeau Field and I see the cheese on our head, I'm like, you're not helping the stereotype of who we are at all. Mm-hmm. What feedback do you get from people how they see folks from Wisconsin? Well, I think they see us uh, just like that, honestly. I, I don't think it's it's easy to get away from the stereotype that's been presented. Uh, but I think I view the stereotype as like a starting point and um, – and then kind of dropping in at that because that's mm-hmm. where people already see you. It's kind of like if you're a comedian and you're s- stepping up on stage, uh, people are just people and they're going to go for the easiest thing of what's what you look like, you know, so that you kind of embrace that initially. That's a comedic technique. But in the same way with Wisconsin, you know, we've had this for decades now. And so that's going to be the first thing people think of. Dairy steak, cheese, cheesehead packers, da 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 But I think if you start there, and then build out, people can over time maybe see a different or more complete uh, picture. That's my hope anyway. And then just to the work, you said when you get up there on stage, um, 
I watch people and they perform in front of crowds, mm-hmm. but there's, there's either an opponent or there are five teammates and people like explain if you can sort of the, the, the nakedness of standing up there and you go on stage and you, you hope people like it, but there's a chance it's subjective and they don't, but just what that's like, whether it's, I don't know if it's the uncomfortability or the, or the dread or the rush, but, but you're out there and it's, it is all on you. There's nobody else. Yeah. I remember when I was first getting into stand up in LA, uh, I did a stand up show and I bombed so terribly hard. Like I thought it was hilarious and I thought it was good and I kind of memorized it and I had it ready to go. And then just hearing the, the dead silence, you know, especially when you're delivering a line, like it's going to crush. Right. And then nothing. And so when, when you do that uh, and you decide to go out and do it night after night, like a lot of guys do and what women do when they're starting up in comedy, um, you kind of get accustomed to bombing and you get a sense of what that feel is. And it's good to bomb, especially early on in your career when you're doing those open mics. So, you know, that feeling, you know how to rescue yourself in that moment. But then when you get to the point of doing a larger show, I had like 10 good minutes and then I got asked to do an hour long show. And of course, you're like, yeah, we can do it. And now we're like, oh, man, how are we going to do this? Uh, right. That ability and confidence uh, to bomb really helped um, say, OK, I can take a few more risks here on stage because if it bombs, I know what to do. Uh, and then you just you slowly build it out from your 10 minutes and you go into your kind of life story and then also what uh in my case what wisconsin kind of means to me and uh you you double down on that and recognition is very important and then you you, it's kind of a a leap of faith you know you test as much material as you can before you go out on stage in front of people but then it's a leap of faith and every night's different some nights certain jokes cross other nights they don't it's important not to let a joke go just because it didn't do well one night. You know, mm-hmm. you you gotta you gotta really feel it out and, and allow yourself to not just be memorizing things and saying them, but allow yourself to sort of like encompass the emotion more than anything else. Because people respond to um, you know emotion almost more than they respond to the words. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you, uh, you look at a guy like Richard Pryor, for instance, who just like really was the first one to bring that emotion to stage. I mean, that's where a lot of that comes from. Well, listen, it's, it is a bold profession because uh, there's no second string. We don't get to call in the backup when you get out there. And as George Carl, uh, Carlin famously said, right, if, if you go out and do great, you killed. And if you don't, you died. So either mm-hmm. way, somebody's really uh, somebody's getting the, the, the bad end of that. So, uh, yes, that's all right, true. Trevor, go ahead. Let's let's rip through some of these. What do you got for us this week? I can't wait to hear. I would you like to know much greater depth than mine. Uh, well, this one isn't too far in depth. Uh, Charlie, you're from Wisconsin. You're probably a Packer fan. Uh, what does the host of the Manitowoc Minute understand? What the hell is going on with Aaron Rodgers? Well, here's the deal with Rodgers. Uh, you know, honest to Pete, uh, if I were to be, you know, frank with you, you know, I'd tell you this about uh, Aaron Rodgers. And that's the fact that, you know, I, and I've been saying this a long gosh darn time. I've been saying it before anyone else has been saying it. And uh, honest to Pete, you know, I, I just don't know. And so, <laughs> yeah. Great. Thanks for yeah. clearing it up yeah. for us. No, and, and anytime <laughs> you want any more questions, you come to me first because, you know, I've been doing my research on the Rodgers for a long time. And, and you know, that's that's the definitive answer there. It's, yeah, I don't know. So. 
Uh, Charlie, what's up north to you? Uh, up north is anything. Uh, well, you know what? Honest to Pete, this Charlie's going to take that. First of all, up north is any. It, it's just it's a state of mind as much yeah. as it is a state of location. You know, so for some folks up north could be you know Cudahy. Okay, and, and to that <laughs> I says, what are you doing living in Beloit? But to, they don't like that, and so you know Beloit's beautiful this time of year. Honest to Pete. So sure. Anyway, and sometimes up north can be you know geographically down south, but in your mental it's up north. Okay, so you think about that, and so. Got it. One more. What size is the duck jacket? The duck jacket, thank you for asking. Uh, it is a uh, medium, okay, but it's from the 1950s. And back there, a medium was a real medium, okay? You know, some people these days are making them mediums extra small. Well, geez, please. No, that's an official medium from the 1950s. That was my uh, dad's duck jacket stole from him. He stole from his Uncle Heine. So, you know, uh, that's how it goes, you know. He was a real, he was a real good bullhead. Uh, uh, Fisher back in the day, uh, world championship bullhead Fisher from uh, the swamps right outside Lake Winnebago. They were rivers technically, but really just swamps. So, yeah, that wasn't really a lightning round, was it? That that was more of a thunder. Oh round. no, the lightning round yeah, is next. Was, That's yeah. oh, okay. Okay. Well, I was bad. okay. So that I know that that Charlie he he hunts. Does he fish as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. He fishes. You bet your bottom dollar. You do uh, walleyes. You know, fantastic sure. walleye fishermen. Yeah, and I'll go live bait or spinners on that. You know, some people are like, oh, I don't fish for walleyes with leeches. You know, that's cheating. I said, you know, what game are you playing, fella? Are we eating tonight or no? You know, so I, I don't always have time for your spinner deals. You know, sometimes we got to you know throw some a quarter pounders with leech on the line and call her a day. You know. <laughs> So that answer the question or no? It does. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor and I have argued. I, I told him, I, I don't think that fishing is a sport because one side doesn't know it's playing. Well, and, yeah. I mean, what do the deer know they're playing either? I mean, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know? we're all just in this game of life, though. And do we know we're playing that? So, you know, you got to think about it that way, too. Mm -hmm. so, Very yeah. good. All right. Well, these are open for either Charlie's here. First off, uh, okay. who's your favorite Packer of all time? Reggie White, he was the number on my Packers locker as a kid. So Reggie right. White, yeah. Uh, in terms of full-on Wisconsin, how do we feel about Trevor's flannel shirt? You know, honestly, it's a fantastic shirt. It is. It's a little bit more Nashville. It's a little. Uh, it's a little cool. It's. It's a Saturday nice shirt. Honest to Pete, you know. I mean, geez, oh, and you got a patch on there. And Harley. Everything. It's a Harley shirt, guys. Oh, is that a Harley one? Well, that must be yeah. from Harley's uh, church variety of shirts. I mean, that is really <laughs> nice. You you wear that. That's nice enough to wear to a funeral, I would say. So, I think so. Real good. Yeah. Uh, cheese curds, do you like them uh, deep fried or just we'll just eat them cold out of the bag? You know, I never uh, I never am able to say it, uh, you know, in a definitive way. I, it just depends if I'm in a squeaky cheese curd kind of mood, which is usually uh, mornings until about 4 p.m. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> around 4.01, I like to get a little wild and crazy. I like to deep fry them. I do have to make sure I got a mound of Tums that I can snort after that. Otherwise, sure. I'm going to bed <laughs> with uh, indigestion. So, uh, the Manitowoc minute, Charlie. How long would it take him to correctly spell Antetokounmpo? Yeah, you know, Giannis is a great guy. You know, <laughs> uh, so we got the A going. Sure. Uh, yeah. 
And then, of course, after the A uh, comes the N. Okay. And so, you know, that happens a lot, like in and or uh, anaconda. You know, don't yeah, want none. Yeah. Uh, okay, anyway. So, yeah, so we're at the end. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, obviously, you know, time out. You know, we got the T. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, and so Giannis is a great guy. You know, did I tell you that? <laughs> I love that. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh -huh. Which is funnier? Which city? Egg Harbor or Blue Mounds? Oh, yeah. Which one's funny? Well, you know, you drop an egg in the harbor, you know what happens, don't you? <laughs> you know, you get yourself a sturgeon real quick one. So uh, you didn't know they liked eggs. But yeah, especially if you deep fry them sunny side up, well, then you're really getting it. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Blue Mounds is fantastic because the mounds are really green you know but it's like it's like did you get some of that you know new delta eight cannabinoid or something when you were naming that place you know were you a little uh you know high on the devil's lalechuga you know what were you thinking mm -hmm. so anyway uh yeah th th that's a thing though a lot of funny named towns in this place and then the last one i have and this is a, a tribute to to some of your past work uh, I'm going to name three names. You tell me uh, which one of these people doesn't have an Emmy. Charlie Barron's, Trevor Thomas, John Anderson. Which uh, one of those three people does not have an Emmy? Is it Charlie Barron's? I don't think that is the correct answer. Oh, geez, Louise. Then I give up. You're making me pick pick uh, here, you know, and uh, I, I'm only going to run my nose into a garage oh, door. Look. Oh, look. Oh, 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 look, oh, look wow. at that. Look, look at, at that. that. You got two of them sums of guns. You and got... then Charlie's got one. And Trev, Trevor has a participation trophy from Swing Choir or something, I think. That is first place Pinewood Derby trophy. Thank you very much. Honest to Pete, that, that is a one to be flexing with. Right Thank, there. You. Thank you. Louise. Yeah, I appreciate awesome. that. Yeah. Hey, as we let you go, Charlie, speaking of flexing, um, your dad is a doctor at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. Tell us about what it's been like to have a guy in your life uh, that is doing the work that he's doing. What does that mean to you? Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he really does incredible work there, and he always has. And, um, it, you know, seeing his dedication to it, I mean, when they spend all night on call and uh, – you know, and especially being in his position, you develop relationships with uh, kids and then, you know, some of them tragically don't make it. And the emotional toll, I, I can't really, um, you know, think of, of that, you know, and of course, uh, my mom, too, uh, you know, really taking on like a family of 12 and the, the, the teamwork that they kind of did uh, growing up is just... I think about that sometimes. I think about like, you know, I, my dad at my age, I think he had like six kids and was working all these hours at a hospital. Right. I was like, yeah, well, dad, I made a real good joke about Aaron Rodgers yesterday. What do you think about that? And I, I got a free lawnmower. Uh, uh, right. So cool, huh? He's like, <laughs> you know, but no, yeah, they're, well. they're awesome. They, they both are. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to have both. Well, and I would think that your dad would agree. Laughing is the best medicine in life, Charlie. You bring joy to so many people on the regular. And uh, as a longtime, actually lifetime Wisconsinite, uh, I'm a huge fan, and I absolutely love what you do, and we're grateful that you came on Inside Wisconsin with John and I. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to come on. Uh, I want you both to keep her moving, okay? And, and I'll say this because I like the emotional capacity to say I love you. 
watch out for deer, okay? All right. Oh, keepers. That's how yeah. we're going to end it, huh? Okay. Deer. Well, yeah. <laughs>